when the sun rises I wake up and chase my dreams I won't regret when the sun sets Cause I live my life like I'm a beast This is the Sales Mall Podcast Your hosts, Jerry Hill and Ryan Reiser Talk about the sales game And always keep it real We're back. It is that time again. Jerry, what's, uh, what's across the pond? Really exciting. The, the UK Connect and Sell team has expanded by 100%. We've just hired the amazing Georgina Langton to come in and, and execute for customer success here. So I couldn't be any happier about that. So that's what's new for me this week. All right. Congratulations. Yeah, she's amazing. Building out your team uh, for EMEA, EMEA Dominance. EMEA Dominance. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, uh, so we had a couple things we want to talk about this week. The first one is learning from the past and in this time, um, you know, making sure history doesn't repeat it, repeat itself. We're coming, we're coming into the end of the pandemic year, which who knows how much longer this is going to go, but starting to see some interesting things, some interesting habits form, which I think is a bigger issue with, you know, our generation around uh, even just looking at the last downturn where, where things are bad. It's clear we weren't prepared. Things got pretty bad. Um, for some folks, the light's starting to open up a little bit, uh, whether that's because they know they're just, there's less pressure from the board saying, hey, just give it a wash for the year. Um, or in other cases, they may start to get people coming back, partnership here, inbounds start to come in a little bit more. And they're going back to their old ways, right? We, they were they were thinking, okay, now we got to go and do what we all need to do, to do the, the age-old lesson of always be prospecting. We're ready to go, and then all of a sudden, eh, actually, it's not so bad anymore. Either the pressure's gone or, or they're just – starting to get a couple of deals that are trickling in. And um, that lesson can kind of bite you in the butt, man, the history repeating yourself. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, it's, 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 it's a cycle. Everyone, everyone fails to really adopt behavior in crisis and then deploy with the lessons of crisis forward. You know, you and I both had the opportunity, for example, to, to work through 2008 and then the Great Recession and, you know, really bad time to be a salesperson what do we learn always be prospecting always be building value throughout always be scrapping and, and keep that mindset when abundance returns um and i think one of the things that we we see is that this is a sort of timestamp crisis i think that the recessionary environment and the macroeconomics are prone to change stock markets really frothy probably not telling the same story as what's happening on the street for, for business owners today but Every single day, I'm speaking to sales leaders who tell me this one thing. My, my growth imperative's not really gone away. You know, there's some forgiveness right now, but I don't have as much money to deploy. With this soft demand returning, we're seeing people return to, oh, is there going to be a conference on next year that we can invest some money into? Mm -hmm. I'm holding off to see whether or not this, this date that's been held open in, in in February next year is, is going to be available because, you know, we're going to put some money into that. What does it get you? Oh, it gets us sort of 10 qualified meetings. All right. Um, how much do you pay for that? Uh, $75,000. Mm -hmm. 
Right, okay. And and what else? Well, you know, it gets our name softly into the market. And I think people are quite happy with the the CEOs and the, the CROs who aren't at war. They don't see themselves as being at war at the moment. You know, my favorite lesson is from AZ12, Mark Anderson, and, and the hard things about doing hard things, right? CEOs are either peacetime or wartime. And I think we've still got too many peacetime war CEOs who haven't made the transition to mm-hmm. just looking for market dominance. That's the reason to be in business. And we see a lot of people are still gently, softly expanding. Oh, we've got a channel strategy. Great. Get it. But what are they doing for you right now? Well, you know, we're getting some introductions to some people. What are they doing for you right now? Mm-hmm. What are you measuring? What are you seeing? Well, you know, we've, we've had one or two conversations. Not enough. You need 20, 30, 40, 100, 200. And um, people just don't seem to have the appetite to do the hard yards right now. It's like they want to be Michael Jordan at his peak in the Olympics when he was at his absolute best without the the foundational hard work to get there. And, and I think that's my big frustration at the moment. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because there's a there's a time where it's like, okay, yeah, we got to get back to the fundamentals. We get it. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get this done. And then this softness within well our people are a little bit you know they're 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 not feeling okay about reaching out during the pandemic you know they feel like it's a little aggressive like that's that that piece is it is happening and it it shocks a lot of people that engage with us directly i think because obviously they're on the mindset of who wouldn't be cold calling who wouldn't do that but it's incredible how many organizations are fall, they fall back to the easy way of doing things, the, the hopium, right? And mm. um, what we know works in sales, whether it's a, a, a boom or a downturn, however you want to look at it, is that it's never a bad idea to always be prospecting. <laughs> but, but I think the other thing is when, you, when you're like, hey, w- underneath all the surface, maybe it's a little softer in the back of their mind. They, they're saying, well, I know there's still going to be a growth imperative. Now you start looking at budgets and they start, they start cutting the, the, the stuff that doesn't make sense. Right. So they're kind of stepping over dollars to save pennies. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's actually pretty scary too. So, Hey, let me yeah. go look at the easy way to get potential conversation started because that's what everyone else is doing. But then also, <clears throat> I've got to make some cuts. So I'm going to, instead of maybe getting rid of some underperformers, uh, maybe instead of uh, investing in the right systems and, and initiatives, they're going and like, cutting things that have more, more value to the organization um, or they're not investing in, in things that, that could potentially save, like more mm. customer support, success, or, uh, you know, a great example is data <laughs> where everyone's in search of, you know, contacts less than a dollar because that's expensive. You know, what are, what are you seeing on your side? Cause I think that's an interesting concept. Well, I, I always used to say before I had a centralized research function and, and list building capability at Ava, what did I always say to the team? Every single person that goes into your list, would you want them there if it cost you a thousand dollars of your own money? Right. That's how important the list is. Um, why would companies skimp on that? And I just, I just don't get it. I, I wouldn't, 
skimp on data. In fact, I would pull, if I had available headcount for 20, 20 people, SDRs and, and AEs today, I'd only hire four. I'd spend the rest of the money on, on tooling. Because you're just hiring a whole bunch of people to go out and, and repeat the same waste over and over and over and over and over again, right? So what would I do? I wouldn't make that mistake, that's for sure. But I think the, the key point is there that people can't visualize the playbook enough to understand how to be uniquely different and, and see the growth imperative in a, in a different way. You know, I had a really interesting call with a, with a high potential company yesterday. And, um, you know, he, he, he asked me some quite interesting questions that I've not had in discovery for some time. And he looked, took a look at our LinkedIn page and he said, you know, if you guys drink your own Kool-Aid, why haven't you grown more? And I said, by what measure do you mean grown more? And he was like, people. And I was like, people isn't a measure of revenue. Mm -hmm. He was like, oh, right. What do you mean by that? And this is a VP of sales. This is a guy who's been in the VP role for quite some time. Right. But that's and that is the that is the the imperative in the past, right? Double sales, yeah. double headcount. Yeah, and and people can't seem to compute that you can actually strive for two things that intersect with each other: revenue density per employee. I want to see that as a massive measure moving forward. I want to know that for my ten people in my business, I've given them every opportunity to be the most cost-effective sales force in the world, and that the revenue that they generate is dense. You know, mm -hmm. I want my top-line revenue number to be supported by outstandingly capable people and process that was amazingly cheap to execute against in the context of those 10 people, I don't want to go out and hire 20 people to get the same results or 30 people to get the same results or 40 people. And it's that fascination of deploying headcount to satisfy a growth number that ultimately determines whether or not somebody's going to have a successful career. Yet nobody ever puts on their resume the revenue number. I've seen a lot of VP resumes in my time. Oh, I built a team from 50 to 500. So what? What was the revenue contribution per person? Yep. 250 grand. So it you told, be, it, yeah, right? It, it, I, I almost think that it gets less dense, right? Because you're scraping for more over time. Every team I've ever built, it becomes more difficult. You know, you, you're getting the incremental revenue, but everyone suffers in that model, right? Your best reps get less, right? Yes. It's interesting. Abundance. abundance. People don't know what abundance feels like. And then if you if you take the anecdotal study of, okay, what did Bill Gates do? What does Jeff Bezos do? How did they get there? They're in 1%. They're the people that dare to challenge things. They're the people that do the different things. They're the people that are willing to look at the model differently, have a different mindset on how to get to goal. Um, what do we see in our cohort of, of VP revenue leaders generally? they copycat each other to the nth degree. So it's no surprise that your your question at the very top of our conversation today, Ryan, which is people returning to old behavior, it's because old behavior is comfortable. Yeah. Nobody's willing to take lesson learned this year, think about it creatively, and deploy new tactics and strategies to help them do a lot better than they would have done previously. I don't know if it's ego. I don't know whether it's comfort zone. I don't know if it's a, a soft weakness to not want to understand the problem better. But I think those three things sort of converge and Venn diagram with each other to, to create a, a comfort blanket for people to operate in.
and I think the, the point you mentioned about the copycat, you know, uh, crossing the chasm gave us a good visualization and, and framework for understanding how a market works. Um, and <clears throat> it's not just the buyers, but it's, it's also the, the actual entrepreneurs or the organizations. Right. And it's so much safer to, um, and, and actually most business literature will say, you know, it's easier to just do what's working. Right. So why, why press that limit? And I think that's an interesting conversation as well, because, um, in a lot of cases, there are companies that just don't have anything right now right? <laughs> and they're surviving on, uh, you know, a boom economy. And I guess, I guess I'll take this because it's being shoved down my throat, uh, versus do you actually have something that, that the market wants, not even needs right now, but wants. Um, and that I think can be difficult. That's a difficult pill to swallow. Mm. Um, are, are companies doing so much following, not just in strategy and tactics, but also just who they are as an organization? And do they have something that people actually want? Yeah, right? I, mean, I can take any, t any technology company under the sun, apart from people that have created absolute white space and distance from themselves and built their protective modes. They're the people that are doing the radically different things. Everybody else is copycatting bits of what they understand from those bigger monopolies to try and co-create the monopoly. My little plucky startup over the road trying to do a V2 mom when it doesn't have product market fit it's pointless exercise, all right? My, my, my sort of scale-up business that just got a Series D but still has an inconsistent message across all of its reps in all of its territories. Why are you chasing, chasing product market fit when you don't have message market fit? Easier to get message market fit, right? Yeah. Find a message that lands with the market, build your product around that, and find density of opportunity there rather than spend cycles of investment and money to get product market fit. And I think we, we're kind of all reading the same playbooks all the time, right? In, in selling, what do we read? We read sales development playbook, we read repeatable revenue, we read anything by Mark Roberge, Aaron Ross. Everyone's copying the same templates. You know, and, and I find it personally frustrating because in SaaS, in technology, you know, a book, book from Aaron Ross, brilliant in its time, lacking relevance today. People will think I'm an absolute heretic for saying that out loud. But in SaaS terms, it's like dog years, written seven, eight years ago, right? It's got 28 years of age on it in terms of practical application. And I find that frustrating as well, you know. What's wrong with the full cycle rep? providing they can optimize their time well. How well do we treat SDRs anymore? You know, like there's just a lot of people that don't think about this stuff anymore and they just perpetuate the copy, the copy, the copy, the copycat until by the time they try and execute it in their own framework, they've diluted it. They've diluted it so wildly from source that it no longer holds value to the market they're trying to condition, the people that they're trying to acquire into their businesses, and ultimately their go-to-market suffers as a result. 
the the there's a lot there that that I think is almost like a look inside yourself and um there's there's nothing wrong with copying um what works so long as you're serving a market but you've got to kind of look deep into your soul look deep into your soul and and figure out you know what is it that allows your organization to you know I don't know. I guess some people don't care about just surviving and thriving, but uh, I think that's the big imperative right now is is organizations, you know, that exist from a funded landscape mm. simply simply on a model, a statistical model of knowing that you're just another bet. <laughs> you're another set of chips on the table in this market that I hope grows into something. I don't know yet. And Those chips a- play with emotions though, right? Like, I've seen so many CEOs reach out for funding, hit funding, think funding's the answer to the problem. Funding comes along. They don't seem to realize the deal, the, the deal that they've made with the devil. And, you know, they're diluting their ownership. But not just that, they're just a gamble. They're just a poker chip on a table for a VC. Funding, so what, right? Funding only matters if you've got the ability to deploy that capital really, really precisely and really well to hit an obtainable goal. And it should never be on product. It should always be value-based customer acquisition. And by value-based, I mean cross the chasm to a point where your product has value and you can sell it on value, not just because you see I've got a Rolodex of people. Yep. First question I, I mentor people on whenever they go to a startup sales role. Ask the CEO how many of those customers came from a value perspective or how many of those came from a operating partner from the VC setting up an introduction or the CEO cross-selling his network. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if we, if we sum up today's conversation, there's, there's a couple of pieces here that I think we could take into – a next conversation, and maybe we can find a guest that has some experience on this stuff now. But uh, uh, opening our eyes and trying to learn from the lessons of the past. If you're getting, if you're feeling comfortable right now, uh, that should feel uncomfortable. <laughs> it's the opposite of what we usually say. Right? Start getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Well, you should start being uncomfortable for being comfortable. Yeah, uh, I, I see comfort. I see comfort as plateau. You know, anybody that's been involved in elite anything understands that there's a rapid improvement curve on something. Then Uh you get stuck, and then there's another rapid improvement curve, and then that plateaus off. My my fear is that people that feel comfortable right now aren't reviewing themselves with the appropriate self-awareness to go again. So they're just going to tail off. They're just going to tip into mediocrity rather than striving for excellence. Mm-hmm. So don't, you should be uncomfortable being comfortable, not the other way around at this moment in time. Try to think about, look, everyone can go get more money. Like you said, uh, this is another quote. Has bucket loads Every, of value. Everybody can get, <laughs> everybody can get more money, but what you can't get is time. So how do you condense the amount of time necessary to get to the next phase? That doesn't happen with, necessarily the uh the the proven 
operating principles of double with people. People people do not necessarily mean growth today. And and then finally, yeah. Just don't negotiate for dollars on the dime for things that are going to take friction out of your way. Yeah. Yeah. And then the final piece is Either. deals with the devil thinking about uh <laughs> yeah, know what you're getting yeah. into. Yeah, well, while while you can while you can uh get money, there's more money everywhere, it goes right back to that, right? Yeah. Money's out but there. It makes it makes choices time. easy for people. If you can get money, then you suddenly remove the ability to make hard choices which are analytical, I think. That's how those two themes come together. Yeah. Growth at all costs or growth the right way? Know Put your numbers. Work. Know your numbers. It all comes back to Mathis Airlo ultimately at the end of the day. Right? <laughs> know your all numbers. Of, it always comes back to Mathis Airlo. That's right. All right. Well, hey, uh, we'll bring this up next week. Continue yeah. this uh, Continue this discussion. Uh, enjoy the rest of the week here uh, on your side of the world. Talk soon, brother. Amazing. Speak to you later, fella.